Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. When we become aware of our need of His mercy, it produces humility inside of us and it causes us to walk softly in His presence. When pride dominates and directs and drives our life, we are cavalier about our sins. We live a life on the surface. Reaching up high with arms open wide we see You're changing our lives so we can be our hands and feet If a Pharisee lived among us today, we would probably have thought pretty highly of him because of his moral code of conduct. Today, Pastor Ed encourages listeners to check their own hearts and see if their Christian walk is solely centered around prideful morality. Jesus' ministry on earth revolved around humility, and so should ours. Don't let vain pursuits of this world impact your ability to softly and humbly seek after the Father daily. You can never soak in too much of His presence. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message entitled, The Pharisee and the Publican. I want to read from a diary of a man who just turned a decade, a birthday. Now, I needed to choose from someone older than myself. So I'm reading here from his diary. I am this day 70 years old, a monument of divine mercy and goodness. Though on a review of my life, I find much very much, for which I ought to be humbled in the dust. My direct and positive sins are innumerable. My negligence in the Lord's work has been great. I have not promoted his cause, nor sought his glory. And honor as I sought, notwithstanding all this, I'm spared till now. And I still am retained in his work. And I trust I am received into the divine favor through him. Now, this remembrance on his 70th birthday was written by a missionary. This missionary was no common missionary. In fact, he translated the Bible and portions of the Bible into 40 different languages and dialects. He is known for the statement, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. He is called the father of modern missions, William Carey. When mission boards, when churches were against really reaching the heathen or reaching the pagan, he was groundbreaking in what he did and spent decades and decades on the mission field. Why did he write the way he wrote? Why did he express himself the way he expressed himself? You might think, boy, 
This guy's a real loser. In God's eyes, he wasn't, and he isn't in our eyes either. But in his own eyes, he recognized who he really was because he didn't compare himself with others. He compared himself with God. The great danger that you and I face is a danger to go into the place of prayer, be very sincere, maybe be very fervent, but in that place of prayer, we simply never get God's attention. How can, how can you be blessed in the place of prayer? Well, our text says that we must, and we must be careful lest we approach God with self-righteousness. And if we do, we'll be rejected. In Luke 18, 11, and 12 from the NIV, the Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. Notice that. God, I thank you. I'm not like other men. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, even like this tax collector, I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I got. What he did was he commended himself to God. When you go into the holy of holies, when you go into the presence of perfection, when you go into the one who John the apostle in the book of Revelation fell before and felt undone, and Isaiah the prophet fell before him and said, I'm a man of unclean lips. The Pharisee was not a, a bad man in, in the terms of the way we think of people. No. He was scrupulous in his morality. I mean, PR relationships wouldn't have to do much with him because he didn't fall into any of those common sins that are so common to those in politics or in our society. Uh, he was someone who we would have voted for. He was careful with his finances. He was careful to keep the law. He was careful in all of those outward things. In fact, um, if he came to you parents and asked for your daughter's hand in marriage, you would have felt pretty good, pretty secure for her. Now, if the publican came, you'd be worrying. I mean, you'd lock the door and hide her up in some room. The Pharisee was a layperson who was dedicated to studying Scripture, who was diligent in the study of Scripture and the practicing of the Word of God. But see, something happened inside of him that often, well, many times, happens and you and me. We begin to think that our relationship with God depends on how much of the Bible we've studied, how much we have prayed, uh, have we been giving in the offering, have we been just 
feel like we have it all together. And we go before God and say, God, I've been a good boy this week. Yeah, I've been real good. Notice how he prays. He begins this way. God, I thank you. Now, you, you think that he's going to begin thanking God for his greatness, and that's a good way to begin a prayer. It's a typical way for a person to begin a prayer. He went into the temple. He was a Jew. He went into the temple, and there in the temple, he begins to pray, and he thanks God. But what does he thank God for? Himself. He begins looking at himself and he really is going to the altar of self-worship. As he said, God, you are so blessed to have me on the team. See, those who serve God, that's a temptation that we, we have. A pastor could feel, oh, I've served God and I've done this and I've done that and I've done the other thing. That's never, never the reason that you can go into the holy of holies. A deacon, an elder, a congregant can say, well, God, I have these many years. I've done this in the church and that in the church and the other thing. And, and God, here's my, here's my resume, God. As soon as you do that, really what's happened is you've lost sight of your ability to approach God through the cross and the cross alone. Pride has filled your heart. And that's the one sin that God resists again and again. Pride caused Satan, Lucifer, to lose his position in heaven and to rebel against God. And when we begin to live life only on the outside and not on the inside, only outward things rather than inward things, we begin to commend ourselves to God. We're okay, God. Here I am. And do you know, it actually turns God off because it shows him something. We don't know our own hearts. In all of us, there are heaven's heights and hell's depths. We're capable of doing benevolent and altruistic deeds and giving, and we're capable of committing the worst of atrocities. In all of our hearts, there's heaven's heights and hell's depths. And when we come before God, if we're reflecting a little bit and we really know God and see God, we come trembling into his presence. We know his holiness and righteousness causes us to see our own need. But if all we're doing is measuring ourselves by ourselves, we'll feel pretty good. I like the way one Puritan writer said it. Even our tears of repentance need to be washed in the blood of the Lamb. So our best works can never earn us one bit of favor with God. 
You start off when you accept Christ as Lord and Savior at the cross. And the only reason you're accepted into the family is because of what was done on Calvary. And though you walk with God year after year after year after year, and though you give and though you serve, if ever you move away from the foot of the cross, you have lost sight of the heart of God and you've become proud. And that's what happens in the Pharisee's life. He begins to trust in his works and what he does in our best deeds, in our best moments, in our most altruistic kindnesses and what we do, it's mixed with gray and sin and motive. See, none of us, not one of us, really knows ourselves like God knows us. I mean, people think they know one another and uh, you have impressions of what people think about you and uh, they have certain impressions of how they feel about you and then you know yourself. But then God, God knows you like no one else. You've made the statement, I'll never do that. Haven't you? And haven't you surprised yourself at times? See, God knows how we would respond in any given situation to any particular circumstance. He knows what we don't know about ourselves. That's why he taught us. That's why he taught us to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We walk softly in his presence. We recognize Oh God, I need thee every moment of every hour of my life. I need you throughout the journey. Now, whenever we begin to walk in pride, whenever we begin to go before God and we're praying like that, oh God, I thank you, I'm not like others. Now, we we do it in very subtle ways, but we do it. And it comes out in the fact that we will condemn others. In Luke 18, 9, Jesus tells this story, this parable, and here's his audience. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Confident of their own self-righteousness, their own righteousness. You know, you could tell if you really stop and think and watch how you speak if you're self-righteous because you will condemn others. You'll put them down. Sometimes we put them down so we could build ourselves up. Sometimes we put them down simply because we're filled with pride and when you're filled with pride, you see others with a magnifying glass of criticism and you minimize your flaws and faults and you magnify their flaws and faults. And that's what he does. Here he is. He's condemning others. And God in his word says, you'll never be blessed by God if that's your heart and attitude. And then he contrasted. He contrasted with a man who approaches God in humble brokenness 
and he's accepted. In Psalm 51, 17, it says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. Everything about this tax collector speaks of his humbleness, his humility in the presence of God. And you say, well, pastor, he had a lot to be humble about. Well, yeah, he did. But all of us do, if we know ourselves. And so he comes and he stays in the back. He he keeps his head low. He beats on his chest. God have mercy upon me, the sinner. Me, the sinner. He sees himself as a sinner. Do you see yourself that way? Yes, you are a saint. We're all still sinners. And like William Carey, after decades and decades of serving God, in the presence of God, he said, oh Lord, be merciful. When we are motivated by the right heart and the right attitude and we have some self-reflection, we will not stride like a peacock. Some people can sit down and still stride like a peacock. I mean, pride just oozes out of them. You can see it in his prayer in verse 13. He stood at a distance, not even look up to heaven, beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, the sinner. What he doesn't do is he doesn't compare himself with others that are worse than him. Oh, God, at least I came to the temple. He hasn't been to the temple in a year, and I've been here, Lord, so I'm a little better than him. He doesn't do any of that. See, we are not to compare ourselves with ourselves. When we come into the presence of the Holy One, the only one that we see is God. And he said, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And we recognize we can only come on one basis alone, and that is the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the blood of the Lamb of God. Your greatest sorrow, the deepest sorrow, should be over your sin. Deeper than the great and significant loss of a loved one deeper than the sorrow of some tragedy that might happen. What should break us is when we come before a loving and caring and heavenly Father who gave everything that he could possibly give and we think, oh Lord, I've sinned against you. Now, what we do is we categorize sins. What about the thoughts of our heart? What about those things that we minimize and God sees? When you really understand yourself and you understand God, it changes you on the inside so that you have to approach him walking softly in his presence. And the greatest sorrow The hottest tears 
are over your own sin. Let me read to you from a a man that uh, was writing to his son. And now this man is a younger man than myself. I wanted to choose that to help you all feel a little better. I write these words at age 55. (laughs) During the past 10 or 12 years, I have often with greater seriousness than ever before reflected upon the course of my life. Certain patterns of thought and attitude and conduct have come to light, some of them quite disturbing. I look back upon my repeated failures in my efforts to subdue inner conflicts and fears, to combat immaturity and self-centeredness, to build genuine and enriching relationships with other people, to conquer besetting sins and to grow in holiness and communion with God. I now see that every period of my life has been marked by struggle. But the persistence of the failures together with the growing understanding of the past have made the struggles of recent years exceptionally intense and painful. Now, these aren't the words of a defeated Christian. They're the words of a well-respected, godly seminary professor. They illustrate what Jesus was talking about when he talked about the parable of the Pharisee and the publican. The closer you get to God, the more you have to humble yourself. The closer you get to him, you have to get down upon your face and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. We never outgrow our need of God's amazing grace. In fact, when we become aware, when we become aware of our need of his mercy, it produces humility inside of us. And it causes us to walk softly in his presence. When pride dominates and directs and drives our life, we are cavalier about our sins. We live a life on the surface. See, what God is looking at is at our hearts. He doesn't look at us like men look at us. He sees the depths of our hearts. This morning, Stand in the place of prayer and receive a blessing from the Lord. But the only way you can do that is to be continually dependent upon the blood of Jesus Christ because that's the only basis that you and I have to come into his presence. And when we come into his presence with that understanding that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin, we could come with a confidence, but not a confidence in ourselves, but a confidence in the one who died on the cross and took our sin, our unrighteousness, all that we have done, and we have taken his righteousness and we have taken his holiness. He lived the life that we could never live. And he gives us, imputes to us, 
that life that he lived. And we stand before God with the righteousness of Christ. The Gospels are Grand Central Station for learning about Jesus, which is the single most important part of our lives as Christians. Please join us each day as Pastor Ed teaches through the Gospel of Luke. You've been listening to Building in Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now, we want to encourage you to log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. There you can find today's message. The only thing you need to remember is today's date. Again, to stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Building in Faith and to access the archive of messages, log on to buildinginfaithradio.com. Or if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Building in Faith. On behalf of Pastor Ed, Faith Assembly, and the entire production team, we want to say thank you for joining us and come back next time for another edition of Building in Faith.